Panzercrush.com. Hey, I heard we're going to Ape Island. Yeah, to capture a giant ape. I wish we were going to Candy Apple Island. Candy Apple Island? What do they got there? Apes, but they're not so big. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. And oh, I need to put in that sound effect. I need to get it. It's, uh, it's like the Batgirl episode of Batman. Guess who's on the show with us today, <laughs> sir? I'm riding my purple motorcycle. Yes. <laughs> I want somebody. You know what? No, no. I need that now. I need, you need that the now. sound effect. I no. I need this, not only the sound effect. I need a graphic. I need somebody <laughs> to draw a mark. In a facsimile of the '60s Batgirl on the on the motorbike, if someone could even give me a, a chibi doodle of that, I would be most grateful. A chibi doodle. I, I, need, I need it now. I need it in my life. I need it for the site. So, uh, but yes, Mark is joining us once again. Thanks for, uh, the, sir. It's 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 a complete show now. <laughs> oh, wonderful! Thank you for reminding me again. Mm-hmm. Um. So we took February off. Um, just a lot of stuff going on. So we're back. Uh, we obviously have something to talk about for this show, as uh, a little movie came out while we were on break. So we are going to review that film for today's episode. And of course, Jessica, what am I talking about? We are talking about Kong Skull Island. Legendary yes. second. Yes. Second chapter into their now dubbed MonsterVerse. So, with uh, we, we've all been with the, the build up to it was pretty good. We all thought it, when this was first announced, how was this going to be? And then all the drama leading up to it, the moving from Universal to Warner Brothers, the fact that they were establishing uh, a shared universe, and Kong and Godzilla are going to eventually meet up and beat the crap out of each other. It's exciting times, but. What, what what was going to be of a 1970 set King Kong film on Skull Island? And uh, we're going to go around the table. We're going to talk about it. So, of course, I'm going to let Mark start off because he hasn't, he hasn't been with us for a little bit. So I, I'm very curious to hear what you think because I have not actually talked to you about this film yet either. So. Yes. So, sir, please give us your initial thoughts on Kong Skull Island. Um. It was much better than I expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. I, I've just had a lot going on in my life lately, where I'm, you know, I'm not really so gung ho about seeing trailers and movies coming out. Even though I was, was excited for Kong, mm-hmm. you know, the more I saw, the more I liked. Yeah. I mean, this was not, you know, definitely a, a departure from Peter Jackson's version, which was. You know, just essentially a big silverback gorilla. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because years before he made that film, I remember thinking one time, if they ever redo Kong, what if they make it an actual realistic gorilla? Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> it was done in 1998. They called it Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, now but, I'm sad about Bill Paxton. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay, no, no, we're, we're not going to bring this down. Keep going, yeah. keep going. <laughs> oh God! Okay. No, but I, I really loved it. I mean, it was it was a lot more um, exciting and, and and a more a much more engaging story than uh, the first MonsterVerse installment of the uh, of like 2014 it. Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, much more likable characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the monsters' designs were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, there's the obligatory, you know, things that they bring up that connected to the Godzilla film right off the bat. Very subtle, but yeah. exquisitely done, though. I will give them the credit for that. <clears throat> yeah. And also, you know, there, there were homages to, you know, other Kongs. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, there was like a the, lot in there, yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the mist surrounding the island was totally from 
the 76 King Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there was, you know, references to, you know, to the original. And uh, I've heard some people go as far to say that they thought the uh, fight against the the big skull crawler mm-hmm. was, like, reminiscent to the Gorosaurus Kong fight in King Kong Escapes. I don't see it myself, but hey. But, I, I think that's a little more wishful than thinking on, on some hardcore yeah, true. fans. But, but you know, speaking of Japanese kaiju, mm-hmm. um, surprisingly enough, this American-made Kong Skull Island, this is the best example of an American kaiju-style film that I've seen yet. Mm-hmm. You know, Kong was, uh, he was bipedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, you know... I mean, Kong's a giant gorilla, but he is still a monster. It's, you know, it's, you know, he was just fantastically large. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, had, he actually did have a personality to him. And uh, it, it was just a, a good film all around. I, I, I really liked it. It was fantastic. All right. Jessica. Uh, I actually do have a lot. I guess I would have a lot to say on it. Well, that, that's, I, the floor is yours. Hopefully. Um, also, if I sound a little wonky, I am outside. I apologize. But I would want to say at first I'm not very excited because, and I hate to say this, it, the longer people know me, the more they find out I'm not really a primate person. <laughs> so I'm not, you like things that are furry and have four paws. Yeah, you know, I'm more of, like, creatures in terms of, like, fighters, arachnids, centipedes, and I like giant people, like Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Obviously, I love Godzilla, all things that are lizard-like. I'm not really, like, a primate person. Mm. So from things like Gorilla Grodd to when the Justice League gets turned into apes, I don't know, just something about, and then War of the Planet of the Apes and all that, I'm not really into it. However... (laughs) However, the more I saw commercials, the more, or trailers, mm-hmm. um, the more I kind of got excited for it because we kind of saw more than just calm. I was actually much more excited about that giant water buffalo <laughs> and the giant spider than mm-hmm. I was for actual calm, but I knew that he was essential to the story. Mm-hmm. So as the trailers went on, I became more and more excited. Um, I think one of the things I had discussed with Mark before and even on a previous podcast was I, when we did see Godzilla in 2014, it was really good. But we didn't get to see enough of him as I would like. Mm-hmm. So I only had kind of one recourse, which was as long as we saw more Kong, mm-hmm. then I would have been completely happy. So when I did finally see it, I heard a lot of really good reviews. I noticed our kaiju friends either really like it, and those who are not really into kaiju films did not like it. So I guess I was leaning more toward the reviews of my kaiju friends. Mm-hmm. And so I went in, I saw it like a week later than everybody else because I was really busy. However, when I did finally see it, it, for me, it did live up to the hype for those who really enjoyed it because we saw a lot more calm and that was my only requirement. And I was really, really excited because you can also be able to see his facial expressions. And one of the things I really liked was that there was no love thing between Brie Larson's character and Kong. There There was none of that. There was none of the Beauty and the Beast thing going on. But I understand it works for the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, there was just that brief scene when he plucks her out of the water. There, there's yeah. just kind of a nod to it. Yeah, but there is a nod, but it's more of an empathy, mm-hmm. a care and empathy than it was straight up. I am obsessed with you now because you blonde. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, which, it, you know, it, which is a different. You know, blonde hair coloring is very different. It does stick out in a jungle, and even if you see a blonde person in a very homogenous island hey, or land, it's it, the color. The color of it sticks out like the color red when a woman wears a dress so i actually really really loved it um there was some moments where you can tell hey they're trying to make tom hiddleston and brie larson the next action heroes obviously for captain marvel and you want to believe that tom hiddleston is more than loki that he is an action character uh a lead a lead man excuse mm-hmm. me a lead man for an action film mm-hmm. so there were some moments yeah they're like the part where he puts on the gap oh is this a sp- Spoiler one. 
Oh, well, I realized. Are we look, about to just look, give away spoilers? No, no, we're about a month out. If you're listening to this, you obviously have seen the film, so consider okay. this. We're going deep in. Like we're not. We're, okay. We're, we're on. The, we're not. We're not holding anything back. Okay. Okay. Like the part where he puts on the gas mask, mm-hmm. gets like a machete knife sword. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sword. I'm sorry, from yeah. John C. Riley's character, mm-hmm. and then takes out, you know, the flying creatures. Mm-hmm. That was very cinematically shot for him to look badass. And amazing. And any woman who is straight who doesn't like him now likes him now. So it was one of those moments. And also with Brie Larson, the way she shoots the flare gun at the end, nobody looks that majestic or oh, determined when they're Brie doing Larson's. it. You're, you're possibly bloodied up and, like, crying at that point. Oh, so they no. were obviously scenes to look good. But if you were to just excuse that, it's overall a pretty good monster film. It's not meant to. People were judging it hope as if it had Oscar award-winning tendencies. If it did, that's great. But it's meant to be a film for fun mm-hmm. and to revive the monsterverse. It was not meant to be judged the same as the other scales of films. I did have friends complain that they didn't like it. They didn't think Kong had a butt. And they also thought it looked like a very expensive asylum film. Oh, oh no! They can. Oh, they, no. Your friends can shove off. Those friends. You tell them that Chris, your friend Chris told him to stick it. So, oh, yeah. Okay. No, and I have no qualms about that. I will get. In, I will get in a verbal fistfight for people. I hate that mentality. These these film snobs are like, oh, it was this that. I'm like, no, no, go to hell. You're you're being facetious just for the sake of being facetious. So, yeah, you're, you're being a dick. I, I, I did I did I did really really like the film. I do have a new favorite kaiju though, which would be the stick insect uh, that <laughs> yeah. that the gentleman was sitting on. Mm-hmm. The walking log. His, yeah. Yeah, the walking log until his uh, life was terminated. Uh, I did really enjoy that, and I really enjoyed the ending credits because I knew about that beforehand. A, a lot of people did when yeah. you were online, so I I thought it was a very smart way of doing it mm-hmm. without yes. actually trying to shove in Godzilla in it. Yeah. Uh, the cave drawings was very smart because we were told that he was primordial mm-hmm. from yes. 2014. So it only makes sense that cavemen or cave drawings had that. I I actually really, really liked it. And so I did like the fact that John C. Riley didn't mention that he's not done growing yet. Mm-hmm. Which makes me sad because I'm like, oh, he's a baby who lost his parents. You know, it's a Bruce Wayne moment. <laughs> no, but but there, I is, was there, like, oh. there, there is a sense of Batman to to this Kong. There is a little bit of that. There like. is, you know, legendary creatures are all about walking like tired old men who just don't give a crap about life no more. So the, you know, just the way they kind of shuffle. <laughs> that is quite apt. There, there, there is some aptness to that. Oh. Yeah, but but I the, the ending was very well done. Um, mm-hmm. the the I mean the ending for uh, uh like the little end credits yeah. with Godzilla was very well done, and I'm interested to see how tall he will be in 2020, which now actually feels very far away. Uh, however, it was years. it was well done. I liked I liked the end credits because sometimes it feels it with certain films you feel like the end credits are there mm-hmm. to like tie you over to the next film, and they just want your money, so you will just sit for the very end, but mm-hmm. this one actually felt organic to me. Yeah. I personally felt it was much more organic. Uh, Mark, yeah, you, were, you were you had something you wanted to kind of jump in on a little bit ago. Uh, oh, yeah, just a quick aside. You had mentioned Asylum, uh, expensive Asylum film. Uh, Asylum already did that film 12 years ago. Which it, was, it, was, it was called King of the Lost World, oh. and it, fe- it featured a kaiju-sized giant ape. Yeah, I remember seeing that on Blockbusters. Uh, it was off. friggin' terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it probably was. They probably filmed it out in Venice somewhere and, and you know slapped it together. I mean, the, the the CG for the giant ape was was oh god, it was sub sci fi channel. You quality. know what? I think I think Asylum they don't hold their credit for crap anymore because they have the purposely made crap with Sharknado and they actually earned some money now and they have that Z Nation show. Which a oh, is, that's theirs too. That's theirs too, and that's like going on like season four now. I, I'm sh- which I am shocked, shocked. So I don't. Yeah. Think, I think they're moving yeah. out of schlock, like low grade schlock, to Corman grade schlock. They've actually moved up in their schlock now. Like 
Like, hey, we could actually throw a few more shekels this way. So instead of spending fourteen ninety nine, we could we could go to the deluxe package of nineteen ninety nine now. So either either that or people's expectations are just lowered. So. Oh, that's that is that is also true. But you know, I really you know, Kong for seventy film, they tiny much touched upon problems that we have today. Mm. They were talking about how she as a they didn't know she was a female photographer. They thought her name was a male. Yeah. So she kind of brought that up. They were talking about in war, abandoning war, ideas like looking for the enemy. If you want to find the enemy, if you were to look hard, you can make one. So I almost felt like, hmm, I don't know if I'm reading into it or this studio's trying to say something about our current time. But I'm noticing that more and more in films than in TV. But they did it in a way that was a lot, a lot better, which also helped because I also noticed that five of the actors have all been in Marvel films. Oh, yeah. Or shows. Yeah. So I was like, this is a Marvel cast reunion. You got you know, Nick Fury in it. You've got the captain from Agent Carter. You have everybody there. Wait, wait, what? Wait, who, who, who was in Agent Carter? Agent Carter in season one was the captain of the, uh, who ended up jumping out the window at the end with the bomb strapped to his chest. He was the gentleman at the end who tried to get the skull crawler to get to, oh, to come towards guy. him. Okay. Yeah, but he ended up being tail slapped into the cliff's wall on the other side of the lake. Which remind me to go into that when we talk about when I when I get into this about the deaths in this film because the, the, I know I've seen the film three times now. And Jeez. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, yeah. Well, I got. I actually have to go fourth. I still have to take my father. He's uh, he's eagerly waiting for me to take him. So, um, you have anything? You got any any more? Or like to finalize your your little encapsulate review there? You have anything else, Jessica? Before I cut you off? No, I think I'm. I think I'm good. Okay. I just want to make sure. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be rude. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, so yeah, so for myself, uh, I loved it. Uh, the first showing, I watched it late as hell, and knowing I had to get up three hours later to drive to Las Vegas. So that first one was a little fuzzy. The second time around, that's usually where I can really gauge how well a movie is. When you watch it the second time around, if you're not sitting there, you're like, oh, we got to get through this part. Was none of that. Really none of that, which was... I had a little bit of that with Godzilla, where the first, ironically, the first act of the film is like the the toughest for me to get through. The one part everyone loves, the whole Brian Cranston setup. Like for me, that's the kind of the drag of the film. Once they get past the Muto getting out, I can I'm actually fine with the film after that. This though worked fine. Like I love the opening's great. I I love the setup for John C. Riley's character. The two of them crashing on Skull Island in World War II, and then obviously what seemed to be like one of Kong's parents showing up, and then uh, just the the whole lead up, the whole uh, John Good like a first off you want to you you want a good movie you throw John Goodman in there. John Goodman is one of it, my absolute favorite actors on the face of the planet. The man cannot he's just he oozes. It's not charm. It's something. There's something lovable about the man. Even when he's playing a scumbag, like he just kind of he he really does feel like kind of. I think it's because I grew up with Dan Connor on Roseanne, so like that's it's more so than like any of his Coen Brothers stuff. So he, there's always a little bit of that charm to him. But again, like probably the uh, one of the best characters in the film. But then I I'll say this that pretty much all the characters, you know, for the most part, I've seen people bitch about the, about the, uh, hey, they're, you know, they're, they're carp. I'm like, no, I wouldn't say that as much. I would say that for the most part, everybody had their thing they had to do. There's, there's a reason why the supporting characters are called supporting characters. They don't have full fleshed out arcs. They're there to support the main actors and the story that's going along. So you're making They don't. That, yeah, they don't. That Asian lady, she was there because the movie was funded by an Asian company. Of course. By a Chinese company, which is why she was there. Yeah, it's, it's our, it's, it's a, it's a version of affirmative action in films these days. But it's, look, it's fine. Like, why not? Why why wouldn't you put her in there? Like, it, the point is, is that that a part could have gone to anybody. That's you just put her in there. That's fine. But I would say that Sam Jackson, John Goodman, um, Tom Hiddleston, Brie Larson, and uh, most importantly, um, 
Why am I blanking on his name? John C. Riley. All of them had a, had really good arcs to them, and they all carried their parts very well. I would say the three that really kept it going were John C. Riley, Sam Jackson, and John Goodman's. And spoiler alert. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a recurring theme with legendary monster films, but the person who actually kicks the story off so far has eaten it twice in these films. So we lost. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Believe me, that was the only time where I'm just like, you had to fucking kill John Goodman like three quarters of the way through the film. Like he's the whole reason why everybody's here. But it's the same reason uh, what people bitch about um, Brian Cranston's death at the beginning of Godzilla too. It's like. It would have made sense to leave him there, to see him all the way through. Like, they, and they yeah. kind of nonchalantly kill him off, too. Like, that that part could have been... Like, I get the gag they were setting up for the scene with the with, with the flashbulb. Which, by the way, that flashbulb would not be going off like that, either. Um, <laughs> but it, it, that was the only thing that really bothered me about it. I did love the Ahab aspect of Sam Jackson's guy, of Sam yeah. Jackson's character. The fact that he was a little bit of... A soldier with nothing, like he, he was—he was a—he was a—he was, was a warrior without a purpose now. Now that the war was over, and the fact that he was—they get—they gave him a little bit of um of uh, of apocalypse now. Um, what, what, God, what, I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, the Marlon Brando, a little bit of Marlon Brando's character from Apocalypse Now, where he's kind of losing his mind, uh, because he's just you know kind of punch drunk from the war. And now you find something new to actually kind of turn his attention on. But it's a... It's not... It, it's justified, though. Like, the scene when uh, Tom Hiddleston's you know, yelling at him, he's like, you can't kill him. He's like, the, you know, he didn't, you know, like, the they were yelling about the skull crawlers. He's like, well, you know, that thing's the problem. He's like, no, Kong is. And like, well, he was just defending himself. He's like, well, he killed my men. It's like, okay, it's justifiable what his insanity's making him do, but it... Worked. It it made sense, and you know it was it was kind of a cool aspect. I did like I did like the fact that he did not care that a giant hundred foot ape is walking around. He just wants it dead because it killed his men. Like then that was the only thing he was focused on. I loved that aspect. And then there was John uh, J- uh, John uh, John C. Riley's part, which he pretty much like as I said uh, when the when the first trailer came out, definitely not the comedic. Um, foil of the film, which that first trailer cut him to be like the goofball. No, he was great. Like, he was flat out straightforward, just a guy who just wanted to go home, and was like, it was basically the level-headed member of the entire group. I loved his character. Yes, yeah, he wasn't made to be the the jester and the fool. Like you said, the comedy relief. You know, he was entertaining, but, you know, he had a uh, very engaging story about him. He ended up being one of the most likable characters in the film. Very much so, especially the. <laughs> there, there's that moment when um, when Hiddleston and uh, Brie Larson's character take off to go. They're going to go try to find the boat, and uh, the land. The the two um, monarch members are with Riley, and they're sitting there. And he's like, "Yeah, that's fine. You stay. I'm staying here. You guys go ahead." And he's telling them to. He's like, "Hey, uh, just you know, keep an eye out around here." It's like. They're like, why? It's like, oh, there's stuff all over the place, even the trees. I'm like, what? What's in the trees? Ants, really big ones. <laughs> and uh, okay, earmuffs, because I'm going to quote this, this line. So you got that's, kids that's, listening. That's a great line. Yeah, great line. It, <laughs> so he's like, uh, you, you hear this like bird chirping? He's like, yeah, you hear that? Yeah, that's, sounds like a bird, huh? It's a fucking ant. Just <laughs> such a great goddamn delivery. I didn't even notice it the first time around. And the second time, I'm like, I couldn't stop laughing because it was just so off the collar. But it was so well done. Um, And the actual monster stuff. Here's the thing. A, I loved uh, the Vietnam setting because, A, there's not technology everywhere. Like, we were at the beginnings of of our satellite technology. We really didn't have any clue of what the hell was going on. Like, nowadays, you could get a wonderful, full, like high-definition image of Kong walking around scratching his butt if they did it today. So, going into it with, with that sense of, like, there's there's a bit of the unknown, like, they couldn't send anything out if anything happened. Great. I loved it. Uh, the island, the, the one thing I'll say this about about how they kind of uh, created, uh, how Skull Island was presented 
compare to, say, our Skull Island of the past. I, uh, you can compare to uh, both. I, I would, I would say, just the main Skull Island of both Jackson and the original films because they're very much one and the same um, yeah. in terms. Um, a little sparse. Like I would, like the original Skull Island. It seemed like every thirty feet there was something trying to kill you. Yeah. This one felt like you could go. You can go on a hike during the day. And if you're just kind of wary, like, you could make it through and you'd be okay. Like, there's stuff out there. Obviously, there's a giant spider. There's the big water buffaloes. But it didn't seem like there was a a ton of, like, you know, heinous stuff that was really trying to kill you, like the original Kong was. Like, that was my that was yeah. little quip I was having. Like, shouldn't there be, like, you know, giant earthworms and shit coming out everywhere? Like, it seems like that there should be a lot more. It, it's it it was that it was that happy medium mm-hmm. between the overkill of Peter Jackson's version, where every freaking step mm-hmm. there was some gigantic thing coming after you, and the '76 version, which was pretty much a sparse, dead, barren island, save for Kong and one giant snake. Yeah, which if that you know what that octopus scene felt a little bit like that too. Yeah, like it was just like I don't know. Like we need Kong to fight something. It's been like a half hour, forty five minutes. So, but you know, I did like that octopus scene too because, like, I have no idea how the hell. Like, I guess that octopus could have slipped much like much like our 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 in King Kong versus Godzilla. The you know, it's an octopus. He could have slithered from anywhere. But I do like that Kong sat there and and just gnawed on. Like, okay, well, that's. How Kong's eating around I, this place. I was reminded more of uh, the, the opening scene from War of the Gargantuas. When it, uh, oh, when the uh, octopus attacks the ship. Yeah, it starts uh, just uh, entangling yeah. him. Yes. It's been a long time. Since yeah, I, I was really surprised to not see, I was really surprised to see regular-sized creatures. Mm-hmm. And the fact that even when he moved, he moved like a ninja. And I was like, no, nothing that big you can't hear. <laughs> From that far there, away, there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit of what I complained about with Cloverfield, where you you rarely ever hear him coming up on you, like yes. unless they want to make it quite obvious. Like the scene when uh, Brie Larson's trying to get the, which I I thought was like if you said when when this ninety pound girl is trying to push a broken helicopter tail off a you know a hunt like a hundred ton buffalo, like it's like what 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 are you doing? What's going on here? At least they give you a little precursor to Kong showing up. Like you got a little rumble, but everything after that, it's like, yeah, they're they're playing it fast and lose. Like you would hear Kong coming from like five miles away if he was running at you, or even if he was just strutting towards you. <clears throat> yeah, that's one scene of Kong uh, when the giant skull crawler was about to kill the crew, mm. and Kong just flies out of nowhere with a giant boulder. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's like, wait, where was he? Exactly. Like the ground should have been quaking with him running and jumping. Yes. Uh, you know what? Look, like we we you know, Godzilla movies are are very guilty of doing the same thing. Like there are points when it's like they they go to show you like the earth, like the building shake, and then the next moment it's like, oh, we didn't bother to keep that going. Like the attention to details there when it needs to be, and then when it doesn't need to be. And as for the actual for the rest of it. I enjoyed the monster designs. Uh, I, the skull crawlers are very interesting. It's been a while since there's been a, a cool bipedal, like two-legged creature, of any sort like that. Um, interesting that they didn't go with any dinosaurs. I saw people actually complaining the fact there was no dinosaurs on the island. <coughs> but in hindsight, it kind of works because yeah, because I mean Kong is huge, and there are no dinosaurs that big unless yeah. you make. Really oversized dinosaurs, and then yeah, and then we're getting to like a Gorosaurus kind of like territory. Yeah. Then, yeah. <clears throat> so, I you know the Triceratops skull was like, and I felt like just a nice little homage to to uh, the original Kong. Exactly. Every, yeah. Everything else was just like, okay, it made sense. Like, it, especially if we're looking at the context of a bigger universe where all of our monsters are not quite they they kind of look like they they're based on something, but they're not quite that. So. You know the Skull Island monsters kept very much in that that uh, that form, especially the Skull Crawlers. I like that you know they're a weird, vast species that are living in volcanic vents. Um, the fights the fights Kong have with them are really awesome. The main fight, the final fight, actually is just a brilliantly choreographed giant monster fight. It is fantastic on every level, and not only that, but we get for the most part all of Kong's like few fights they have. All are in broad daylight too. Yes. They they Yes. 
it, it, yes. felt, it felt like that the uh, legendary listened to everyone's complaints about Godzilla. It's like Godzilla. everything's dark. I can't see shit. Kong, all right, turn on all the lights. We'll make sure. And it does. There is something wonderful about a daylight fight. It's one of the reasons why I love Godzilla versus Megaguirus so much. Yeah. It's because when he's fighting Megaguirus at, at the end of the film, it's in the middle of the day. Like it's, it, you know, they could have hid the the flapping motion, but it just makes him stand out so much more, especially. Look, uh, that helicopter sequence in the beginning, it's every every shot. I, I got to give credit to, to uh, the director. Um, I believe it's Jordan uh, Vaughn Roberts. Uh, yeah, Jordan Vote Roberts. This he this is a guy that did a tiny little um, uh, independent film called Kings of Summer. And that was his first film. He gets this. And pretty much he turns this... It, someone someone coined it best. Every shot of Kong in this is like a uh, is, is like an Instagram picture with a filter on it. And you could take just about every scene of Kong in this film. And you, it, it's, a, it's a screenshot. Like, you can get that beautiful, perfect shot. And it's like a work of art. Especially in the beginning when, like, he's just positioned in front of the sun, so you're just getting a silhouette. Uh, the attack of the helicopters is masterfully done. Uh, the, like, showing that the helicopter, A, the helicopters actually did damage to him, like when he's grabbing the rotors and they cut they cut his hand up. The bullets yeah. actually do some damage to him. Um, and then we move on to, like, him fighting the skull crawl, the, the, those first two skull crawlers, where he's just kind of flipping around. There's an agility to him. Like, there, there's, a, there's a reason why I love the hair suits in Toho, because... You, they can do stuff that the bigger, bulkier suits can't do, and I, I like a little, I, I like a little like kinetic to my action. Um, just him smashing the crap out of those things, and then when we get to that final fight of him fighting the skull crawl, the the, the king skull crawler, as we'll call it, and that thing, there's five just great. I want, I want more than anything else. I want a statue. I have, I have a miniature statue of Kong beating the crap out of the V-Rex from the Peter Jackson uh, film. It's Kong on top of the T-Rex. It looks like a Frank Frazetta painting. Yeah, I, I, I had that too. I uh, I gave it to my girlfriend to give to her students as a prize. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, this thing, this thing's like, this thing's a, it's a, it's a nice centerpiece. I want, if Sideshow comes out with Kong fighting the Skullcrawler when he's got his arm wrapped, when he's got his tail wrapped around his arm, and Kong has got it by the neck. Like there is, like they, the, they got the 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 mastery of how Kong fights. A lot of grabbing, a lot of smashing, just a lot of choking. They tried, they did their nice little homage to the jaw break at the beginning of that fight when he's trying to snap his jaw in half. Yes, um, did they, notice that. <laughs> did you notice the homage to the chains as well when he gets caught up in the uh, the old ship uh, derelicts? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I do like that he was also resourceful in like when he's picking up that uh, the the uh, the the propeller and uses it to cut, like cut the crap out of uh, out of the skull crawl. That whole fight is mm, if that is what is that just a taste of the fight we're gonna get between Kong and Godzilla? Like they're gonna just make all the monies. That's all they're gonna do. Just print all the monies. Um, and going back to my my last thing, I almost forgot the. This film is kind of heartless in how people die in this film too. For PG thirteen, they really push push the limit on some of the things. My buddy even said when we walked out the first showing, he's like, they they went as far as with PG thirteen as they could on how some of these people die because they just died really uh, nihilistically. Yes. The, the 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 gentleman, the Landsat guy that gets yanked by the uh, the sawbirds. <laughs> And it's just and over the sky too. Again, the 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 silhouette in the sun when his arm gets cut off and he just gets torn to pieces. I'm just, I sit there and like Jesus Christ, they got away with that. Um, the soldier having his uh, being impaled down the throat by the spider. Yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I did not see that coming. Uh, it was. It, I, I'll admit it's cool. I, it's, a, it's a nice, clever death scene. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm like, wow, you did that too. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then, then that last soldier getting smacked as he's trying to blow himself up to uh, to kill the skull crawler, and just gets tossed to the side of the hill and, and dies in a, uh, a just a, a plume of, of fire. Like, I'm like, wow, okay, this, you guys, wow, okay, kudos. 
<laughs> kudos to you guys. So overall, I, I loved it. It's I'm I'm going to go see it again. It's uh, it's far better than I had hoped for. There's a lot of like I, I'm glad the legendary is kind of like learning as they go along. The aspect of the universe, the universal aspect. Let's talk about that. So they're world building now. So we got Godzilla, much like Iron Man. Except that little end credits, they didn't really set up anything bigger than themselves. So now we have Kong, and now they're like, okay, let's start world building a little bit. Uh, unlike a lot of, especially Marvel films today, where they're very guilty of like, there's a lot more setup than there is story in some of our films for later chapters down the road. Yes. This one did not didn't suffer from that. Uh, I I do it did feel the the ending was a little bit abrupt and. It, it kind of added a little bit of like a chapter element to it. But other than that, everything else was just very, very fine-tuned and just, just sprinkled in there just enough to like, oh, oh, if you paid attention to Godzilla, oh, that's what he's talking about, or this is what he's talking about. Not not including the end credit sequence. Uh, I, I really hope that we get a uh, flashback to John Goodman uh, as a young man in World War II, eventually. Yes. Because they essentially did Jaws. He was, in many ways, he was uh, he was Quint from Jaws. Except he got a government contract and, you know, was leading an agency trying to find monsters. If Quint, you know, just went into uh, pri- the private sector and became like a uh, uh, like a billionaire, you know, or a government uh, uh, shark hunter with a whole team, you know, that's essentially what he was. Like, I want to see, I'm hoping they give us that scene. Of uh, what? I mean, it's essentially Godzilla tearing apart a World War, uh, a, a battleship in World War Two. Like, I really do hope we get that one day. Yeah, I, I was, uh, and of course, that was reminiscent of you know the scene from the '98 film with the tanker with the claw marks in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I did like the way that they did set it up. Oh, there are other monsters out there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you do see evidence of them, and of course, the big reveal at the end. Yeah. But uh, all throughout it, you know, they're establishing this is why we exist. Mm-hmm. You know, even though most of the government thinks they're crackpots. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we, because uh, that's the thing, when we come in on Godzilla, we have um, Ken Wanatabi's character. Like, Monarch at that point, they, they're, they like, taken very seriously. Like, there's no, they're not pussyfooting around. They're very much in with the with the entire military on any action with the Mutos and Godzilla. And then we, it, it was nice to see that it wasn't always that way. Like there was, there was a point when, yeah, they were a crack pot, you know, uh, l- just a little project that was kind of wasting government money and trying to prove that, you know, there are monsters out there. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, the setup to that was great. I like that they're kind of making Monarch this universe's shield. And that if you, if, if any of if they even created, I got a feeling down the line, they're going to create their own their own giant monster for this series. Like I, I've got a feeling that's coming. An original, yeah, an original. It, it would it would make sense, you know, uh, just you know, on a business level, because hey, we have our own giant monster. We don't have to pay royalties to anybody. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got a feeling that's coming. That <coughs> maybe post Kong nice. versus Godzilla. I've already heard people like the, the 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 fan theories that they they got the right scammer. I'm like, eh, I don't see that happening. That's <coughs> Yeah, I look. There's gonna have to be a lot of money shelled out for that. Like, Kotakawa is very, very, um, let's just say, uh, protective of a, of something they really won't do anything with. Which you know, in business terms, doesn't make a lot of sense. But that's just how they are. Yeah. Uh, and only that, but Gamera's not <coughs> quite the. He's not the quite known commodity here on the state side as he is in Japan. No. And a lot of people, there were a lot of fans who got excited of the one shot of the turtle during yeah, the opening credits. Yeah, reading, they, I think, reading, were, uh, yeah, reading too much into something. Yeah. Um, but where was I going with this? But yeah, anyway, um, I'm trying. So let's talk, about the, let's, let's talk about the end credits. So the one thing a lot of people did not stay all the way through the film for. Every showing I did, I, was, I kept like, hey, there's more. And people just walked out. They didn't care. Yeah. Um. There were a few people that actually stayed, um, and quite surprised by what they saw too. Um, a few of them didn't get uh, Rodan or Ghidra, but they got Mothra, which is which says 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 a hell of a lot. 
And the yeah. uh, the Godzilla roar at the end was uh, was pretty much the icing on the cake if you didn't get what they were alluding to. So yes, uh, very tastefully done. Um, I doubt we'll ever see uh, we'll ever see Brie Larson or um, Tom Hiddleston unless they do another Kong esque film, or if they just do like a monarch film, like, like we said, where they go off and you know find another monster like a, an original creation. I could I I do like I I kind of like that concept like maybe show Monarch throughout the ages, kind of like how the X-Men movies have been doing lately, where they've been doing one every decade. They get like, make, give us like an 80s monster or a 90s monster. But, yeah. uh, yeah, at least now we know next Godzilla film, which is going into production, we're, we're, we're essentially getting a remake of Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. That's true. So, uh, exciting times. Very exciting times. Uh, any of you have any other any other tidbits you want to add to this? You know, it, it does beg the question, though. I mean, we're just assuming because it features the same four kaiju as uh, each of the three-headed monster. But what if they go the route of GMK? Where, you know, because they're oh. just saying mm-hmm. there are others. I mean, yeah. There's really no, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. We're assuming that King Ghidra might be from space. Mm-hmm. But if, if they're saying there are more and they're showing him in the, in the, in the context of those cave paintings, yeah. are we to believe that King Ghidra is just another one of these monsters from the from the center of the earth? It would be. And you know what? That, um, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the origin to all these monsters, I, it was a very nicely explained, like, okay, these things are around, like, what the hell's going on? The, the, uh, the hollow earth theory, I think, was great. It's a, almost, it's very... Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs in its execution too and it's uh, just a little comment on that but um, yeah I mean Earthbound Ghidorah like it, it would be very interesting if that's what it was or they might uh, they might explain that he might have come from space and been trapped there uh, who knows I mean they're going into production sometime I think in June so we have uh we have that's it's going to be two years exactly two years I think from last week until we see Godzilla two it comes out in March of 2019 so uh, it's gonna be a long wait but hopefully we'll we'll find a little more in, in, by Comic Con um, at least the design that was the one thing I was kind of like a little bummed out on the, the kind of <laughs> they, they they kind of uh, they didn't go for the full thing, like giving us like a little something. Like I would have taken blurry photographs. The K paintings were cool, I get it, but you know yeah. something a little more solid. Like those things are already around. Like they're kind of urban legends at this point. I would have preferred that. Yeah, but then it may affect the story because at that point it's well, they they're already out. They've already appeared. Yeah. You know, Godzilla. You know, he lives in the ocean. Mm. He's in the ocean a lot of times, but. Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Rodan, they could fly around. These things are so huge. There's mm-hmm. no missing them. True. Although, then you know, it could have been, you know, it, if you're going like the 50s route, right, they could be like UFOs and stuff like that. True. Much like the original but, Rodan. I mean, but then again, it's like, then where the hell are they, they hiding out at then? Yeah, then, yeah then, that's true. But, yeah, and you, you are right. I mean, because, you know, 1973 technology, things that they could fly around and they may not be detected. Nowadays, they'd yeah. be seen away. So, but you know, it's exciting. I, I, as far as world building goes, I mean, we got Marvel. They they started the whole thing. DC's kind of doing their own version of it, um, and I'm fine with it. We've seen it try and fail. Sony tried to do it with uh, Spider-Man, and that's obviously a good way of not doing things. Yeah. Uh, we'll that see. Sinister Six. That Sinister Six film they teased at the end of Spider-Man. Yeah, that will Spider-Man never, Two. Yeah, that'll never happen. Poor Drew Goddard. <laughs> he gave up Daredevil to go, go manage his dream of directing a big budget film, and it just fell apart. And he had nothing after that. Uh, he got nominated for an Oscar for writing, um, for writing uh, The Martian. So uh, he's doing all right. <clears throat> but we'll see. Uh, you know, the next thing we're getting, we're getting uh, the Universal shared yeah, universe. Yeah, I was about to mention the Universal versions, and I don't know about this new Mummy. I've seen the uh, previews of it, and uh, right off the bat. A lot of people are complaining. Oh, the mummy's a woman. That's fine. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. No, but you know, makes it interesting. What I have an issue with is right off the bat, they're trying to establish this universal monster verse, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they're offering us a, another Tom Cruise action film. But here's the thing: Tom Cruise puts asses in the seats, and I, I, that's I, what they're. I see for. that point, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not like he puts asses in the seats like he did before. This is true. You know, and you know, and okay, I guess uh, when you look at it that way, like okay, we need a name star whose movies are popular. You know, his Mission Impossible films make money. But you know it, it, it won't necessarily translate well to establish a new franchise, mm-hmm. and especially when you're trying to establish a new franchise, you want to give it its own identity. To start it off as just another another Tom Cruise action film, um, you know that might not work so well in helping them establish their brand name. Well, I mean, I at least here's the thing with that: um, if if they do it right, the monsters are going to be the main stars of those films. Yeah. So, but 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 yeah, but the trailer we've seen so far, the monster was not the star of that trailer. No, but it, it is an early trailer. I I mean, we have yeah. time for another trailer. Yeah, uh, they just wanted they kind of wanted to show off the the big sequence, the 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 plane the plane crashing, um, and then they give you very little. I mean, there are technically two monsters in that trailer. I mean, that's um, uh, Russell Crowe is Doctor Jekyll. He's he's the uh, Agent Coulson of this universe they're setting up. So he's going to be like the, the the link to the Wolfman that they're doing next, and then they're talking about doing a um, not exactly a Frankenstein film, but like a House of Frankenstein film, where they can do both the Bride and Frankenstein at the same time. And you, you know, I, I, you know, I wish I wish them luck. I, I mm-hmm. really am eager to see what they do. But uh, one thing they have also uh, another reason they're swimming upstream is that it's still. It's still so close to uh, Benicio del Toro's Wolfman movie. Mm. It's still so close to the Brendan Fraser mummy movies, Which and I it's love. still very close to I Frankenstein. Yeah, well, the, well people I, well, may get confused and think these are sequels to those films. Yeah, and then they try to quietly kickstart that universe with the Dracula Untold. They were kind of playing it by ear. The Dracula movie did well. That's where they would start it because they added like a post credit scene at the end of that film that was trying to tie those things together, and then when the movie bombed, they're like, okay, it's our Green Lantern, we're ignoring it, we're gonna start fresh and anew. That's uh, right, because they, they were touting that as the first of, of those films, but then when it bombed, mm-hmm. they just, like they like you said, they, they ended up disavowing it. Yeah. It was That's like the a, one that had, it like... It is, yeah, I think, I think it ended in modern time. And Luke Evans' Dracula saw a modern version of the woman that passed away, his wife. So it almost seemed like it was brought to current times, which is supposed to be a tie-in to the mummy. Yeah. Of modern times. But it did not do well. It wasn't that terrible, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm too lenient. It, it had it had really, it had poorly cut trailers. It, here's the thing. A trailer can make or break a movie. Oh, time. definitely. John Carter is prime example of that. John Carter is a, is a it, look, it's not, it's, it's not the best movie, but it's a pretty damn good film. It's a solid film. And when I got up and I walked out of that, I say with a lot of things, when I get up and walk out, I make wild proclamations after every film. Like I'm like, that trailer killed that, killed this movie. Like, this movie's great. And whoever at, at Disney, I wish that they got fired because they screwed up on their job. Because those trailers were ass. And they made a film that felt... It, it wasn't quite a Pixar film, but it had a feeling. It had a Pixar-ish feeling to it. Like there was a sense of wonder and, and joy in that film that, like, a lot of movies try to capture that miss by a mile. John Carter had that, and nobody bothered to see because, like, yeah, it looked like crap. I'm like, it's not though. It's so good. <coughs> um, that's uh, that's uh, to Kong's credit. I'll give I'll give uh, whoever cut these trailers. They did a damn good job. They did give away a lot of the film in these trailers, but they gave away enough to, to you know, just wet your whistle and make you want to go see it. It's doing well, very well right now. Um, I think the budget on it was $170 million, so it was like, ten, it's like $25, $30 million less than Godzilla. And it does. the beauty is this thing, every dime is on that screen. It does look like every dime was spent on that screen. Uh, shooting in Vietnam looks beautiful. Uh, in Hawaii, especially, like, all, there's no, there's there's really no sets in this film. Especially once they get to Skull Island, everything's outdoors, which is the di- main difference between. Because um, I know 
Jackson filmed his a lot around New Zealand, but there are times when it does feel like it's, you know, a lot, especially like the the Kong fighting the 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 T Rexes. Like that whole thing was was all CG. Like, and there's a point when it does feel like it's all CG. This did feel like it was. They were there. Like they were out there. They were in the jungle. Yes, the 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 CG in, in this film, you know, and. CG can be very well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could, like I point out, Jurassic Park 1993 still holds up to this very day. much so. Against anything you put it up against. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Versus how many huge mega-budget films have we seen with embarrassing CG? Mm-hmm. Uh, the CG in this movie was just amazing. It was. You know, you, you, I mean, you actually got a sense of mass and weight to Kong, especially when he was wading through uh, the lake. Mm-hmm. And and, uh, well, and, and even he, the skull crawlers, the, their movements, um, they're pretty well done. Oh, they were. They uh, and, and here's the thing. I, this is why I feel that, um, because Guillermo del Toro, when he did Pacific Rim, yes. people asked him, like, hey, did you use uh, mo-capping for like the the Jaeger and the kaiju fight?" He's like, "No, no, no. They were all done, uh, all done in uh, the, the the CG. We had no, no, none, none of that." This, at least with Godzilla, there was there was some mo-capping done with Godzilla. Uh, there was an actor for the female Muto and Godzilla in a lot of the scenes, from what I recall. Yeah. And uh, this one, uh, Kong was actually played by uh, is it Toby Kebbell? The the and he plays Chapman, the guy that gets eaten by the skull crawler halfway yeah. through the film. Doctor Doom. Yeah, he's Doctor Doom. Yeah. Which now he's becoming like the new Andy Circus. He's the guy that everyone turns to now when Andy's busy. It's like. Can you do this? He's like, all right. Can you put me in like a little part where I can show my face? Now I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Superb. He's superb in this. I hope they do keep him for uh, for um, Kong versus Godzilla because the movements were great. Because they got it. They, that, that's my one thing with with Jackson's was like he. Oh, very you, meant, much... you meant as a mocap actor? I thought his character died in the film. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah, no. He's yeah. He's well. He's it, well, yeah. Well, that's same thing happens in Kong. Andy Circus was Kong. Yeah, in, in King Kong, and then he's also the chef who gets eaten by the giant. You know, water. yeah, he dies in the spider pit. So. Yeah, you know, another another nice little homage, even if it wasn't intentional. Yes. Um but no, I mean, here's the thing: if you're gonna do giant monsters, man, mocap them because they're much, much too. I mean, what a lot of people don't get when you're, uh, you know, explaining why Godzilla, like the Toho films, work. It's like it's just a dude in a suit. It's like. But that's what's different. That's what makes these films stand out from, like, your... Especially back in the 50s and 60s when they would go cheap. If it wasn't a stop-motion, like, Harryhausen-esque film, they were... Like, I was watching Giant Gila Monster on uh, Mystery Science Theater earlier. And, you know, there's a very big... Like, obviously it's schlock, but there's also... That was at a time and point when they would just throw, you know, any kind of animal and then put it on either on a little set or just project it against something... There is something to having an actor play. Like it gives it depth. It gives it like it turns it into an actual character. It's what the '98 Godzilla film completely missed on altogether. Like there's no that Godzilla is just an animal. He's just he's a he's a he's a, uh, a, a, um, a pretty much a rip off of the Raptors from uh, from Jurassic Park at that point. Yeah. This shows. If you add, if you have somebody, if you have a human do it, because making Kong, you know, stand upright, doing, giving him a lot of the same elements of the original Kong, but there is, there is, you can see it in him, like the, his movements and everything. There, there's, there's a lie. There's an intelligence. There's something more than just a, being a just a big animal, and it stands out. And I hope that anybody that makes these films, like any sort of giant monster film from now on, like they really go this route. I'm. I kind of hope the Pacific Rim's doing this a little bit too. Like they're, they're, you know, you get a much more interesting fight than just having this, having uh, someone sit there on a computer and like, yeah, maybe do this or that. There's, there's a certain fluidity to it. I, I guess I would say. In that long-winded rant right there. <laughs> yeah. um, other than that, I think. Oh man, I think that's. Uh, I, anybody else got any last words they want to say about Kong Skull Island? No, I think I'm. I think I'm good. I think we covered a lot, actually. Uh, that we did. Oh, well, one thing I do want to bring up okay. is uh, uh, something I haven't really heard too many people talk about. Okay, it are the natives of Skull Island? 
this is you know this is mm-hmm. yet another uh, portrayal of the inhabitants of Skull Island, mm-hmm. and this time, um, which were actually they came off as Pacific Islanders for once too. Yes, yes. What I was about to mention that they looked um, geographically appropriate mm-hmm. to where the, the island is supposed to be, like uh, you know, like you had like. You know, African-looking people, I mean, because who knows where Skull Island was supposed to be in the original in the 33 Kong, yeah. film, or even in the 76 film. Yeah, they, they, they allude that it, I think in the, uh, yeah, well, in the Jackson film, they allude, I think it's like in the Indian, that one is in the Indian Ocean somewhere. Yeah, and, and that's even weirder, because the, uh, the, the natives of Jackson's Kong mm-hmm. are like white people covered in mud. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, I'm shocked, it's like, you live in New Zealand, you couldn't just get a, a bunch of Maui people to do it, but yeah. all right, whatever. <laughs> they looked Asian. They looked there because we were talking about World War II mm-hmm. with the yes. Japanese, uh, Japanese American. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me, Japanese fighter uh, versus John C. Riley's character. And when they had fell, the I you would think the storms around the island would tell people to go away, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, somehow they got there, and they looked very uh, Indian. Uh, into China, or yeah. at least South South Pacific, and it does make so, sense. So yeah, they were they John were C. little, Riley. but they looked Asian. They looked yeah. like uh, like East Asian. Excuse me. Yeah, and it does make sense because uh, you know the first scene with John C. Riley's character and the Japanese soldier. So obviously, this is in the Pacific somewhere. Mm. You know, during the Pacific War, and so this is not in the Atlantic Ocean. So it would make more sense they'd be kind of Pacific Islander looking. Yeah. I mean, they even they they do. I mean, even when they launch the boat, they launch from uh, from Thailand, and uh, yeah. they never really give you like a direct idea where they're going. But it's a little ways away, and it's a uh, remote. That's all they really give you. Yeah. So uh, you know, it does. It was nice. It was nice. I mean, in fact, I do believe those scenes were filmed in Vietnam. So finding people to approximate, you know, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it wasn't too hard. Um, someone did point out, and I did notice this on the third viewing, that uh, one of the um, one of the women had a what looks very much like the Mothra symbol on her head. Yes, I've seen a few people point that out, but looking at, at screenshots, unless they redesigned the Mothra symbol, it's not a match. It's, it looks very similar. Yeah, but who's to say that Legendary did modify it? This is true. I mean, look. There's a lot of <laughs> wacky stuff that the Toho stuff. If Legendary's porting this over, I, it's going to be interesting if they pick or choose. Maybe if they go the Kanenko yeah. route, where or we'll make a little homage, but pretty much Mothra stands on her own. Like, or if they're going to go full route and you know, tiny alien priestesses. And oh God, I am waiting to see if Legendary includes the uh, you know the Shobijin in oh, some form. He, I, I hope they do. I really hope I that hope they, they do. do too. I'm like, I mean, look, ev- everyone, even mainstream movie fans, know the twins are Mothra's. No, yeah, priestesses. So. Yeah, like there, there, there's very few. Yeah, I mean, like that. There's very few things, but every, yeah, that's one of the staples. So everyone has, you know, I, there's people I, I who know that I like Godzilla. No, nothing past that he's big and he breathes fire. But they always ask about like, what about those two little girls in Mothra? I'm like, okay, so there is something that does stand <laughs> out. So. I, they would be remiss not to add them. Yes. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully, look, it's uh, we got uh, Michael Dodry doing it, and he's a monster guy. So I'm hoping that he's just like, you know what? Screw it, let's go all out. So uh, we, we we shall see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they do. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up for this episode. Uh. You know what? Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do something different. Um, I'm just kind of straightforward with this. We're recording two episodes at once, so this episode is gonna end here. You're gonna hear our normal preamble rants uh, after. Uh, we're gonna it's gonna be down the line later on. So um, thank you guys. Uh, you know, thanks for kind of hanging in there with us for uh, for the break. We are back. We have a lot of cool stuff planned for you. So. Uh, I promise two episodes before the end of this month. So when you hear this, there'll be an episode right after that, which actually we're going to sit down and record in like five minutes. So uh, future Chris from right now will explain everything of our normal closing wrap, and then uh, we'll see you uh, in the next episode. Oh, uh, before we uh, 
sign-offs, since these will be separate episodes. Uh, there's a couple of events coming up that I did want to make people aware of. Okay. Uh, first off, uh, in just about two weeks, Monster Palooza is mm-hmm. in Pasadena, California. If uh, you are in the area, it's happening April 7th through 9th. And uh, we actually have some uh, Japanese guests, I believe. Yes, yes we do. Um, hold on, I don't have those in front of me right now. Well, in addition to uh, the the usual horror guests, Robert England and Heather Langenkamp from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Kane Hodder, he's one of the Jasons. Because uh, uh, Anthony Peterson, Elvira is going to be there. Yeah, Tom Savini is uh, going to be there. Norm of all people is going to be yeah, there. Yeah, Norm. George Went. Yes. <laughs> and William Cat. I guess it's like, it's like a house reunion, I guess. Which, by the way, if you've not uh, anybody out there who's not who's listening to this uh, and has not watched House, you're doing yourself a massive disservice. House one and House two are amazing films. Yes, and two very ba- different films too. By the way, Basil Gogos will be there, the fantastic you know painter who adorned the covers of many famous monsters issues, mm-hmm. and also the Japanese guests Mizuho Yoshida, the uh, suit actor who played Godzilla in GMK. And uh, I believe he also played uh, uh, Death Ghidra, and mm-hmm. perhaps even the uh, the King Ghidra in Mothra Three from the '90s Mothra trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also played uh, Zerem, the alien Zerem, if you've seen the Zerem films. And that's that's <laughs> interesting because who else is going to be there, Mark? Yes, speaking of Zerem, <laughs> <laughs> the designer of Zerem, mm-hmm. Keita Amamiya, famous manga author. Uh, incredible artist, and uh, he's also done Garo, which is very popular. Also worked on Common Rider Z.O., Common Rider J, and uh, the amazing Mikazuki. Also, uh, Moon Over Tao, for those who haven't seen that. That's an amazing film. And uh, he did a, um, a spin-off film from Kikaider, uh, Mechanical oh, Violator Hokkaider. Yes. <laughs> Mechanical Violator Hokkaider. Yes. Great film. Which is, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm only mildly, like, like I've seen a few episodes of Kikaider, and when I found this thing, I'm like, this, it, it's a film that stands on its own. It's very much like, you turn the bad guy into, like, the main character, and it's, oh, it's marvelous. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so those are the, uh, the Japanese guests that are going to be there. Yes, uh, so that's happening uh, April 7th through 9th. Then also, uh, for fans in the Texas area, May 26th through 28th in Dallas, Texas, the famous Monsters Convention is happening there. And they have all sorts of guests from Star Trek Next Generation, a few, you know, other people. But of interest to Tokusatsu and Kaiju fans, two guests who are going to be there are Shinji Higuchi, the special effects director uh, behind Shin Gojira and also the Heisei Gamera trilogy. He will be there, along with in his first American convention appearance, Kichi Sakurai, who is the uh, cinematographer who worked also on uh, Shin Godzilla. And uh, Mr. Sakurai, he's worked on a lot of the uh, Toho special effects films, uh, I think back to the 70s and 80s. Um, I-, I met him when I was in uh, Japan in uh, 2014, when I was uh, shooting my documentary, and we were uh, on the grounds of Toho Studios. And Mr. Sakurai, at the time, was working on Attack on Titan. Oh, with, and, uh, with, 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 uh, with uh, Higuchi. With Higuchi, yes. And uh, he's also a very close friend of uh, Shizuo Nakajima, the Wolfman vs. Godzilla director, who who took us onto the grounds of Toho Studios. So he heard we were there, and he wanted to meet us, and it was a, it was a fantastic time because he also got to reunite with Robert Scott Field, who was there with us. Because they worked together on Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah back in 1991. So, Mr. Sakurai and Mr. Higuchi, they will be guests at the Dallas Famous Monsters Convention, May 26th through 28th. <clears throat> and uh, I believe one of the events that uh, will be offered is uh, called Dinner and a Movie, where I guess uh, people who sign up for it uh, will have a catered meal and we will actually watch Shin Godzilla in the presence of Mr. Higuchi and Mr. Sakurai and have a Q&A about the film. So, if you're on Dallas, 
go definitely check that out because otherwise, yes, I'm, I'm going. I'm, I live in Los Angeles, and I'm making the trip there. Your I first have... trip to Dallas too, isn't it? Yes, I've never been to uh, Dallas before. It's, uh, it's fun times. I got I got a buddy who lives out there. It's always a blast going out there. Great barbecue. Ooh. Yes, you told me you're going to give me a list of barbecue places when yes. I go. Yes, oh, definitely <laughs> go to Hard Aids, man. Definitely go to Hard Aids yeah. while you're out there. It's good times. <laughs> I'll All stuck right. up on Tums. <laughs> no, you very much very much need to. All right, well, we're going to cap it at this episode, and then uh, tune in, uh, because in the, a few days after you hear this episode, you're going to hear what we're going to talk about five minutes from now. So stay tuned, and then uh, Future Chris is going to wrap things up for you guys. All right, thanks, Past Chris. Okay, as uh, you heard Mark say, uh, do check out the Famous Monsters Convention in Dallas, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, on that note, as Jessica would normally say, you can find us on Twitter at the Kaiju Kingdom. Just uh, one whole word, the Kaiju Kingdom. We're also on Facebook at the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. Uh, do check out our other podcasts exclusively on the Panzer Crush Network uh, at panzercrush.com. Uh, also, Jessica has a few panels coming up at WonderCon in Anaheim, California. So if you're in the area, if you're attending the show, go check her out. Go say hi. Go support her stuff. She's good people. You know you want to. Uh, check all that out on, uh, I believe she's got two panels on that she's hosting herself on Friday. There's uh, two more. There's one more on Saturday, I think two on Sunday. So you can find all that uh, in the programming for WonderCon at wondercon.org. All right. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Uh, stay tuned. We have another episode coming up right around the corner for you like because of the delay. So for myself, Mark, and Jessica, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>